1: erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine. Coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie.
1: And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist.
2: In this episode, we're talking about the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. So grab your fire hose. And let's get civical. everybody. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I am Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And what's up?
1: Um, We started just so that we are keeping the people abreast on our spooky season watching. Oh, yes. We yeah. started, we finished Halloween 2, which was... Yes. Very, which was fun, interesting to watch. Don't know if you've seen Halloween 2, the one that came out in like 1981, three years after the first one.
2: I don't know. I know I've seen the original Halloween uh-huh. and I think I've seen, I've definitely seen the the most recent iteration. Okay. The, so I guess the, cause Halloween ends, which is not out yet. No. Which is going to be the last one. Yeah. I saw the one before that. Right. I don't know about the in-betweeners, to be honest. Okay, there's there's quite a few of them. There's like 12, Yeah, I, I know.
1: So we watched the second one, which um, Jamie Lee Curtis is also in. And mm-hmm. it picks up like right where the first one leaves off. But it's in this like what seems to be abandoned and dark hospital that there's no explanation <laughs> for why there's literally nobody else except Jamie Lee Curtis in this hospital. <laughs> She's like the only patient – of course, the doctors and nurses are, like, fucking in bathtubs. You know, like, it's just... Well, yeah. It's a great 80s do. horror genre film. So we finished that. It was a little underwhelming, um, but good. I mean, good for what it was. And then we tried to watch Halloween 3, and we looked at the cast list in the description, and it's, like, the outlier. Literally, there's no mm. connection to Halloween except the fact that it's it's basically about Michael Myers' mask.
2: And how the mask becomes a thing. <laughs> okay, but they already made that. It's called Jim Carrey's The Mask. <laughs> <laughs> Stolen. <laughs> Which is a phenomenal film.
1: Stolen. Yeah. So we decided not to watch that because why? But then we started Halloween. Wait, so Jamie
2: Lee Curtis is not in that one? She's not in Mike Myers
1: isn't in that one. It's really a one-off. It's really a one-off.
2: Wait, I thought
1: I thought Halloween was Jason. No, Halloween is Mike Myers. Then who's Jason? Oh my gosh, I am with you. Caroline and I have this conversation almost every day. <laughs> Halloween is Jason. No, Halloween is Mike Myers. Friday the thirteenth yeah. is Jason.
2: Oh, you know what? And then nightmare on Nightmare on Elm Street is Freddy. Freddy Krueger. You can't see it, listeners, but I'm doing Freddy Krueger fingers. Yes, claws, claws, claws. Okay, great. Glad we got that straight. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. Is Jason. Jason. What is Jason? I think I'm getting the look of Jason and the look of Mike Myers. Confused. That's very
1: fair because Mike Myers is the white mask with the hair.
2: Jason, mm-hmm. I'm going to look. Oh, up. and Jason is like the hockey mask? Yeah,
1: and he's the with one the holes? with the holes. He's the one um Jason Voorhees, that's his name. Um, it takes place at like a camp. It's a, I mean, it's a great,
2: it's a really fun right, movie. Right, the camp. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at pictures now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. The, okay. And yes. he's the
1: one, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th is the one that mm-hmm. says,
2: kill, 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 Die, 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 die. Oh. Yeah. My God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've definitely seen, I think the original Friday the 13th, um, but what I, what I was doing in my brain is I was mixing the visual of Mike Myers mm-hmm. with the name Jason. Yeah. Because, like, when I thought of Jason, I thought of what Mike Myers is, which is with the hair and the mask. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like a square-shaped head. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Got it. So We're all clear. We're
1: all clear. So we're watching currently in the middle of Halloween number four. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting because if you... Watch the the most recent ones, like the one that you were talking about, the one before Halloween ends and the one before that, I forget what they're called, but um, the mm-hmm. ones with like Judy Greer who plays her daughter.
2: Yes, yes, ha- yes. Halloween yes. 4,
1: I didn't – because I hadn't seen the in-betweens and they do a great job in the most recent ones of like giving you background. But Halloween 4 picks up 10 years after the first one and Laurie Strode has – has her daughter, but she's like in foster care and Michael mm-hmm. again escapes.
2: I mean, slippery
1: eel, slippery eel. I don't know why they continue to think moving him is a good idea.
2: Yeah. They're like, let's put him on a bus a bus. that will be fine. Always a bus. Um, yeah.
1: yeah. So that's where, that's where we are. We watched Hocus Pocus two.
2: Don't tell me anything. I'm I don't not- even, I don't even want to know your thought. Don't say okay. anything. else. I won't, I won't, I won't. Are you going to watch we will, it? We will reconvene when I watch Hocus Pocus 2. And okay, we'll okay. have, we'll hash it out. What have I watched? Oh, I think the only thing I've watched, because I've been very busy, is Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, oh my which God. <laughs> is an incredible film. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I love, I will watch Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island sort of any day of the week, any month of the year. But I put it on because I was, uh, like, my whole house and life is a catastrophe. So I had to, like, start cleaning to Mm. get it together. Yeah. And I was in my bedroom folding a mountain of clothes that I had on the ground. And I was like, let me put on. Oh, yeah. My favorite film, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. It's the best animated Scooby-Doo film that is out there.
1: I Period.
2: Maybe it was last week or the week
1: before when you said you had Scooby-Doo movies in your Halloween repertoire, and I was slightly Mm -hmm. confused because I love Scooby-Doo. Like, I occasionally, I did this the other day, we'll put on the old animated series, but in my mind, I was thinking the live action With Freddie Prince and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Which,
2: to be fair, if you're about to throw some shade at the live-action Scooby-Doo... No, listen, that came out... We're going to fight. I I love that movie. I love Scooby-Doo.
1: And when that movie came out, it was like, you know, height of Sarah Michelle Gellar popularity a la Buffy. So, mm -hmm. Avi, Obsessed had, had like, as a teenager, Scooby-Doo toys that I bought because of the movie release... Because mm-hmm. I was obsessed, so no, love, love that movie. But I was thinking Zombie Island was one of the live action ones, and then now that you say that it's animated, that makes more sense. Because I was like, I don't remember any of them yeah. being Halloweeny.
2: They're not. No, they're not like Halloween based. It's just that like it's it's zombies, scary monsters. Yeah. So it like fits in the canon. Um, and it's, you know, it is confusing because in the live action Scooby-Doo, they go to Spooky Island. Spooky Island. That's what it is. It's Spooky That's Island. what it is. But it's just called, it's just called Scooby-Doo. It's not called like Scooby-Doo, Spooky Island. Right. But the film that I watched was Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Yes. And that is animated. And it's based on like in, it's based literally in Louisiana. <gasps> like Ooh. it's, it's, it's me. It's you. It's me. It's a great film. It's like... An hour and 15 minutes long. We love. And they really jam-pack it. So everybody Mm. watch Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island as part of your spooky repertoire, along with the live-action Scooby-Doo. It is very good. Literally perfect casting. Yes. Perfect casting. Perfect casting. Yeah. So, obviously, today's episode has nothing to do with spooky season, but we will continue to talk about spooky season because... This is our podcast. It's, it's our podcast and we love and this spooky season is among us. And do not mm-hmm. think that I will not
1: try and make this a thing once the Christmas holiday season comes around Sure. and I'm in the throes of Christmas movies.
2: What you're watching. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean. It's going to happen. It's going to be a lively couple of months, y'all. So buckle up. But today's episode nothing to do with spooky season, but this no. was another Arden pick and Arden did not reveal to me what this episode was going to be about until approximately 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Arden, what led you to this? I am delighted. We've never done anything like this before. No. And I love it. I so I was looking for what to do last week's episode and this week's
1: episode on and you know, you in the same way that I'm sure you you do when you're looking for episode ideas, it's like, what happened this week in history? What's a big mm-hmm. moment? Like, you know. Yeah. And I found last week's, the release of the Model T, and this one, the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. And I was like, absolutely. I have absolutely. no idea what this is about. I just, I remember there being a fire, but yeah. couldn't tell you. Wasn't around for it. Never really learned about it, except, and when we get to it, maybe you'll remember something from your childhood about this. Okay. Maybe. I, it's one of those things, and I'm like, this might be a regional. It might be. It might be a regional thing, because I grew up in Ohio, which geography is close to Chicago. But I was like, absolutely, yes. The Great Chicago Fire of 1871. We've done monuments. We've done assassinations. Yeah. I feel like, let's do fires. Let's do fires. Let's do disasters. Let's do disasters. Disasters. Yeah. The other fire that I would like to do is the one in, it was like by, in Cleveland, by like the Cuyahoga River or something like that. They're, like the river oh, set on fire.
2: Yeah. I was thinking the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. <gasps> we should absolutely
1: here do that. Here in New York. Here in New York. We should Where absolutely I, do that.
2: I famously, fun fact, had class at NYU in that building. Mm-hmm. Many years later, I was like, well <laughs> spooky spooky <laughs> spooky spooky. Awesome. no the only thing I know about Chicago in this general time period is H.H H. Holmes so oh. I'm excited to learn <laughs> about something different than H.H H. Holmes.
1: yes, this is this is different. Although, just this as, is different. This is still scary. you know what if it's in a the third theme spooky season spooky season spooky season let's talk about fires. So the notes from this episode are coming from National Geographic, specifically the education side of National Geographic. History, love. yes, history.com. And the University of Chicago magazine, an article by Herman Cogan.
2: Love you it. Want to start us off and tell us what she was in brief. Yes. Let's let's get a quick overview. You know I love an overview. So what was she? Let's talk about it. On October eighth, eighteen seventy-one, a fire broke out in a barn on the southwest side of Chicago, Illinois. For more than twenty-four hours, the fire burned through the heart of Chicago, killing three hundred people and leaving one-third of the city's population homeless. This is a big fire. It's a big fire. It's a big old fire. We're all big. After the fire, the great rebuilding was an effort to construct a new urban center. Big businesses, innovative buildings, and a new style of architecture were the result. I mean, yeah. Right. If you have <laughs> if if a fire destroys sort of like Everything. you know, a quarter of your entire city, right. I do hope we are taking innovative steps to architecture. <laughs> <laughs> because clearly I'm assuming a lot was wood, mm-hmm. not the vibe. Not the vibe. No, no. No, no. For an industrial center such as Chicago. Exactly. Metal, a
1: much better suited material from which to make the buildings.
2: Correct. And like brick and... Brick and, and all that stuff. Concrete. Yes. yes.
1: Stone. 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 So... Let's talk about perhaps the most controversial aspect of the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, mm. which is how the fuck it even started.
2: Mm, who lit the match? Who lit the match?
1: The Great Chicago Fire, like Lizzie said, started the evening of October 8th, 1871. Whilst there is little doubt that the fire started in a barn owned by Patrick and Catherine O'Leary, the exact cause of the fire remains a mystery
2: not patrick and Ka- imagine being patrick and Catherine o'leary i mean
1: and- they go through it but here's my question Ooh. does the name o'leary what? this is the only part that i think you might recognize does the name o'leary mm-hmm. ring any kind of church bells in your brain
2: no <laughs> <There's- Shut up.
1: laughs> so this is where i was like this might be a regional thing in grade school I wouldn't say that this was a nursery rhyme that they taught us because it's not really a nursery Uh rhyme. It was we might have used it in like first, second and third grade music class as like a demonstration in like volume because there's a song about it, about Mother Leary's cow. We'll talk about it. But one of the theories longstanding is that a cow kicked over a lantern
2: oh and started the wait fire. are are you gonna do the the nursery rhyme now or later
1: i'll do i'll do it now because it'll set it up so it goes like this okay great, ready i'm gonna sing and i yes. apologize to everybody so go like forgiven this. oh my god one late night when we were all in bed old lady leary left a lantern in the shed and when the cow kicked it over she winked her eye and said it'll be a hot time in the old town tonight fire fire fire
2: Oh my God! No, that is so not a Texas thing at all. I don't recognize that <laughs>
1: oh at all. Oh my God! Yeah, and then but like, and then you would sing literal? it. How literal? I know, so literal. And then you would sing it again, but then you would sing it. So like, maybe you would start out super loud, and then you would like half it, mm-hmm. half it, half it to like. I mean, it was like used in music class to teach you about scale, basically. Um, yeah. So then eventually you would get to a part where it was so low it would be like. And then by the end of it, you would always say "fire, fire" like max volumes. You go, mm-hmm.
2: fire, "Fire, fire, 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 fire!" Yeah, um, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. The Midwest is a crazy place. Midwest, <laughs> y'all. They think it's the They're boring like, part of the country. Let's do a nursery rhyme where we just literally explain exactly what mm-hmm. caused the Chicago fire mm-hmm. and teach kids to yell "fire, fire." right right at least like the bubonic play was a little more new like subtle right ring like, around the rosy <laughs> pocketful. like that. nobody knows what that's about until they're like it's a plague and you're like ah gotcha oh my god
1: i had no idea that that's what that was about that's what know? That it no, it? yeah. it's, about the, it's
2: about the plague honey ashes, ashes ashes we all fall down i think
1: because they're I'm burning sure. is, is are the ashes the burning
2: bodies um hold on i'll look it up Rosy meaning i'm pretty sure it was the plague this is from americansongwriter.org. credible, And the meaning behind the lyrics are... Do, 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 do. Ring around the rosy meant the itchy rash around the infected sore of a person sick with the plague. <laughs> Pocket full of posies were the flower petals that plague doctors showered upon their deceased patients which also helped to ward off their odor. (laughs) Ashes, ashes meant the cremated remains of the deceased. And yes, whether sick or not, we all fall down, meaning we all die. (laughs) Holy shit. Damn. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, But it's way more like nuanced than right literally miss o'leary had a cow cow who kicked over a lantern and caused a fire that killed all of chicago fire 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 (laughs) or whatever the song is oh my god that's pretty close i mean having
1: heard it once that's that's kind of amazing wow dang yeah Now I just see like all these little kids holding hands, spinning around in a circle being like, we're all going to die at the plague. We're all going to die at the plague. We're know?
2: all going to die at the plague.
1: Wow. That's yeah. rich. So one of the theories, well, we'll talk about the theories in a second. But the cause of the fire started, whatever the cause was, the fire started in a barn at mm-hmm. on the O'Leary property at 137 DeCovin Street on the city's southwest side. The fire spread north and east into the heart of Chicago's business district. There are many theories about how the Chicago's about how Chicago's Great Fire of 1871 started. The first person that Catherine O'Leary told the story to seems to have been a man named Robert Critchell, an insurance man who questioned Mrs. O'Leary and reported that she told him, quote, in a rather ungracious way, he later wrote in a memoir called recollections of an insurance man oh my god
2: (laughs) like this woman i mean look i don't i I don't yet know if if Catherine, sweet Catherine, is is our villain or not but i think if you i i i am going to assume that this was an unintentional fire
1: yes and if you've
2: unintentionally burned down half of chicago how can you possibly be gracious about it (laughs) Like on, on top of that, like you're basically what he's saying is I didn't like her tone of voice. Right. <laughs> I didn't. Are we are we never are we never to be <laughs> critiqued <laughs> on our tones of voices? Oh, my God. <laughs> <like>, 300 were... <laughs> people are dead because of my cow. How do you want me to sound? How do you want me to deliver this information to you? I'm not going to be pleasant. I'm not going to be pleasant. I'm
1: not going to be gracious. How how is she? All right. I'm on
2: to I'm on Catherine's side. I know. Even if she lit the match uh, purposefully, <laughs> I'm <laughs> on her side. So, but
1: then also he turned around and wrote a memoir, "Recollections of an Insurance Man."
2: Yeah, boring title. <laughs> okay, loser. So in his
1: book, <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. He wrote that the initial accounts were true, that she had gone into the barn to get milk for milk punch, (laughs) (laughs) and that the cow, in a moment of irritation, had kicked over the lamp, which of course was lit with fuel and fire, not whatever.
2: We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors.
1: So another contemporary witness at the time was Jacob Schaller, who was a youth who worked for the O'Leary's delivering milk to the neighborhood. Schaller related that on the Sunday of October 8th, he had done his chores, bringing the usual 15 pints to customers, pints of milk. On the next morning with the city aflame, he spoke with Mrs. O'Leary. She told him she was distressed because she she was sure her cow had perished. Cow's dead she placed cow's her, dead cow's dead she placed her arms around the boy and when he asked how the fire started she told him that she had company and needed milk for Tom and Jerry's which I'm guessing is the aforementioned is the punch. milk punch yes which now I want to look up this recipe yeah also I didn't realize Tom and Jerry's were a thing before like I thought that this started the with the cat and the mouse then. but clearly not yeah
2: clearly not clearly the punch came before the
1: cartoon yeah We're learning a lot in this episode because the day's supply had been sold of the milk. She went to the barn and sat down to milk the cow, gotten about a half pint when, uh, when the cow obviously resentful of being milked a second time that day, raised up her right hand leg and gave a light kick, which hit the lantern and knocked it over to set fire to the barn. So two people are claiming...
2: It's, like, pretty much the same account. It's the same account. It's whether or
1: not she was milking him or not. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So as the hours of the disaster continued and the wide extent of the damage became apparent, Mrs. O'Leary did
2: little talking. Yeah. What, what's, what is there to say? <laughs> she's... She's. The cow has killed half of Chicago. <laughs> what do you want this woman to say? And the cow's dead because like, the cow is where the fire started. She wanted to make Tom and Jerry's and now half of Chicago is burned to the ground. Like, it's called shock. Somebody help her. <laughs> Somebody help
1: Catherine O'Leary. <laughs> I also, the fact that like Catherine O'Leary is the one who takes, I mean, up until like 1997 apparently, takes the shit and the blame for the great Chicago fire But she also had a husband. Like, where's him? Where is he? I know. I'm like, this this?" woman
2: can't vote. She can't own property. And yet you're going to make her be responsible for the Great Chicago Fire? No, no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh-uh. No, no. You want to own her? You got to own all of her. Mm Mm-hmm. So Mrs. O'Leary, now
1: that the fire is raging, has stopped talking. Bless her. I hope she's having many Tom and Jerry's. I hope Tom and Jerry's include alcohol. And indeed, she remained silent until official inquiries in November, and by that time, she virtually denied everything she had said earlier.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? Honestly, what other, whatever Catherine wants to do, I support. <laughs> because this is a woman who is literally just trying to make a cocktail. <laughs> like, there's no, there's, there's no... no malicious intent. No, no, it was. An, it's, an it's an accident. We can't, <laughs> we can't ostracize this poor woman because she was going to milk her cow. And the only, like, it's not like she had an alternative type of lantern to use. No. It's only oil lanterns. Right. Like, this was the problem with the 18 Heminishas. You were subject
1: to fires because you only had fuel. You only had oil and fire for light. And all of your buildings are wood. Do the math. Do the
2: math. It's actually surprising. One plus one equals fire. That's right. It's actually surprising this didn't happen more often. For sure. Well, it's like it's like how London has burned to the ground oh, like right. 50 times right. in a span of like 10 years. Right, exactly. All right, let's talk about other theories that have nothing to do with our sweet heroine Catherine O'Leary. Some people believe a thief knocked over a lantern while stealing milk from the barn. Years later, a man named Louis M. Cohn confessed to starting the fire... By accidentally knocking over a lantern while running away from an illegal card game. I don't think any of these are true. No. Recently, I love it. Yeah. Recently, scientists have suggested that a meteor showered ignited hay in the O'Leary barn. I believe that. Yeah. (laughs) What is known, regardless of how it started is that the fire quickly grew out of control and moved rapidly north and east towards the city center. Yeah, because everything's wood. Right. And hay. Right. And grass. Exactly. Of course it's going to burn. But let's talk about the actual spreading of the fire. So the fire, according to the best authorities, started between 8.30 and 8.45 p.m., one of the O'Learys' neighbors turned in an alarm from a nearby box, but according to later testimony, the apparatus was faulty, and the alarm did not register at the courthouse at Clark and Randolph. Okay, right. which is not Catherine O'Leary's fault. Exactly. It we may could have, have been. stopped this fire.
1: Like, and you'll like you're going to read it. Catherine. They had another opportunity, and again, they fucked it up. So, yes, 300 people died. Mrs. O'Leary's cow started it, probably, unless it's a meteor shower. But the city fucked
2: themselves over because they weren't controlling the fire properly. The infrastructure failed? Failed. Meanwhile, from the courthouse tower, the man on fire watch there, Matt Schaefer... Spotted smoke and flame and called down the tube to William Brown in the fire office to sound the alarm for a fire company to proceed to the fire. The horrid error Uh was that Schaefer gave Brown... The wrong location mm-hmm. summoning a company a mile away instead of the one that was only three blocks from the O'Leary barn. Yes, okay, mistake okay. number two. Okay, this is your job. Also, sidebar if this fire station is three blocks away from the O'Leary barn, how did they not? See it, get a whiff, right, and see it. <laughs> like, if there's Sounds a like... massive fire three blocks from me, I can see smoke. Right, exactly. Because it's not like there are tall built.
1: I mean, th- this is no like as skyscrapers are coming, but this this is a, a barn. This is a barn.
2: It's a barn. It's three a barn. blocks away. Mm-hmm. A few minutes later, Schaefer realized his mistake and directed Brown to sound the right box. But for reasons never explained, Brown stubbornly and stupidly refused and again sounded the wrong alarm. Okay, blood is on this guy's hand. Uh, Twice now. It is fully Mm -hmm. William Brown at this point. Oh, yeah. Yes. Matt Schaefer made a mistake. Right. For sure. Right. Responsibility. Right. But to like... As the person who's being told I made a mistake, please sound this one to be like, no, no, no but on your hands. Bye. Bye. It
1: sounds Ooh, it justice sounds, for Catherine. Justice for Catherine. It sounds like and I don't know if you've watched this part of the Dahmer series or I have not or no. Have, oh, I've okay. not started. Oh, you're not started. OK, well, there's this part in, in the Dahmer series on Netflix that's basically like and it's based on a real phone call. Um, but Nisi Nash's character calls the cops because she finds this like young boy drugged out of his mind outside the building and he's escaped Dahmer's mm. apartment and Dahmer comes back and he's like, no, this is my boyfriend. And there's a
2: whole discussion. I, actually do, I just, I know that from like the actual yeah. case. Right. Yeah. And then the cops let him go. And they let him go.
1: They let him go back with and Dahmer. Then and then the woman calls the cops again later and is like, I just want to make sure that you- Checked his age. Is he really an adult? It's okay, ma'am. It's fine. It's all solved. Okay, but is he, is he looks like a kid? Is he a kid? Is he an adult? It's fine, ma'am. It's fine. The kid was a kid. Mm -hmm. And if they had just done their job and said, we didn't do the work. Yeah. The boy probably still would have died, but like maybe they would have found, maybe it would have stopped the next, however many there were after that. Yeah. Not all of the people in Chicago. Who died needed to die, or find themselves homeless. If I'm sorry, I mean really, nobody needed to die.
2: Nobody needed to die. If they like, if they sounded the right alarm, they probably could have contained the fire to the barn. Exactly. Only, only the cow was a was a for sure Mm -hmm. casualty. Exactly. Admit
1: your mistakes. Admit when you're wrong. Admit your
2: mistakes. Okay, so these two men are like, absolutely,
1: fucking this up. Yep.
2: By 9.21 p.m., the flames had advanced beyond the O'Leary barn to sheds, barns, and wooden houses. The watchmen of the nearby Little Giant Company saw them and roused the men who hurried to the scene. It was almost 45 minutes after the fire began that the first fireman got there. An obviously fatal delay. Yes. Once started, the fire grew fiercer and fiercer. The firemen were valiant. They were brave, but in most cases, their efforts were futile. Equipment broke down. Hoses burst. The water supply was lower than usual because so much had been used in the fighting of the West Side Fire the night before. It's just... Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you can't, like... When a fire is that, like, out of control... There's nothing you can do. Even modern day, like I think of when um, Notre Dame was on fire. Oh God. And you just had to watch because like once a fire is that out of control, even in the 2000 and whatever that was, 2019, Mm -hmm. there was nothing that people could do to stop it except like what the the measures that they were taking, but like the damage was going to be extreme extreme once it reached a certain degree. Right.
1: The fire was made all the worse just by the dry conditions of the season. Chicago's summer and fall in 1871 were unusually dry, with only one-fourth the normal amount of rain falling between July and October. Bad. Many of the city's wooden buildings and sidewalks had dried out in the summer's intense heat. On the first night of the fire, strong west, strong southwesterly winds fanned the flames high into the sky And created convection spirals or, quote, fire devils, which spit burning debris in all directions, causing more buildings to burn. It's a tornado that is literally on fire and sending stuff out from its center and causing more fires everywhere. Oh, my God. It's just. Fires on fires on fires. Fires on fires on fires. It's. it's And you know what? Worst case scenario. It's still not Catherine O'Leary's fault.
2: No, it's not. It's not. No, it is not. At this point, no. 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 Did she knock over a lantern? Probably. Sure. Potentially. Right. That's it. That's it. Who among
1: us has not... Who among
2: us has not knocked over a lantern while milking their cow?
1: Buildings often had a single layer of fireproof material on the outside, hiding the wooden structure beneath. Okay. Flaw. Mm Mm-hmm. The waterworks on Pine Street was just such a building. Its wooden roofing shingles had been replaced with slate, but the structure itself was still pine. When a burning ember struck the roof in the first hours of the fire, the waterworks was quickly destroyed. It was the main source of water for the city's understaffed fire department.
2: We are (laughs) running at a deficit. This is so bad. There is no water. There is no water. The infrastructure has failed.
1: Has failed. failed. Has failed. Fire burned wildly throughout the following day, finally coming under control on October 10th when rain gave a needed boost to firefighting efforts. It literally just rained, and that's how it ended.
2: It, yeah. Yeah. I mean, with the, what are you the gonna water do? building burned down. Right. <laughs> at this point, this is all we, we is can all we have. for. Keep running.
1: The Great Chicago Fire left an estimated 300 people dead and another 100,000 others homeless more than 17,000 structures were destroyed and damages were estimated at $200 million. The disaster prompted an outbreak of looting and lawlessness. Companies of soldiers were summoned to Chicago and martial law was declared on October 11th, ending three days of chaos. Martial law was lifted several weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 100,000 people homeless, they're like, I still
2: got to eat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I can't imagine that there was any sort of, like, emergency services at that point. No, no. I mean, I think even nowadays we would respond very poorly to this. Oh,
1: God. It would be all fucked
2: up. Yeah. Let's talk about the aftermath. So the fire is out. There's looting and lawlessness. Things are tense. The fire destroyed the city's business district, but it left the stockyards and new packing plants on the south side untouched. Known as the "quote hog butcher of the world," mm-hmm. Chicago's stockyard processed more meat than anywhere else on Earth. So they've got like something, something, something some to industry keep them going. Left. Mm-hmm. Most of the wharfs, lumber yards, and mills along the Chicago River survived as did two-thirds of the grain elevators to the west. The industries surrounding agricultural and trade kept the city's finances as stable as possible and employed thousands of people. So it could have been worse. It could have been worse. But it was really bad. It was bad. It was bad. Most railroad tracks were not damaged. This allowed shipments of aid to come pouring in from across the country and around the world. Book donations collected in England became part of Chicago's first free public library. Oh my gosh. I know, right? The Chicago Public Library opened its doors on January 1st, 1873. They're like, you know what we don't need right now?
1: Books. We need wood for building homes. But you know what we have? Books, you know, it would be cool.
2: A library. A library. Let's build yeah, a library. I mean, hey, gotta have your education for mm-hmm. the kids. Its original building, the library, was a water tank on LaSalle Street that had survived the fire. Very cool. The month after the fire, Joseph Medill was elected mayor after promising to institute stricter building and fire codes a pledge that may have helped him win the office. I feel like if you're running for office in the year following the Great Chicago Fire and you're you're like how, what other platform do you have right. other than I'm going to fireproof this city. Right. That's <laughs> like, it. That's, yeah, your option. that's what you run on. That's your option. That's the option. His victory might also have been attributed to the fact that most of the city's voting records were destroyed in the fire. <laughs> So uh, it was next to to impossible to keep people from voting more than once. (laughs) You know what? Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Like, they've been through trauma. Let them have what they want. Let them have
1: what they want. And they want the guy who said, I'm going to make this better.
2: This was stupid. In 1956, the Chicago Fire Academy was built on the site where Mr. and Mrs. O'Leary's barn once stood. The school trains new firefighters until this day. Okay. Yeah. Ugh, I know. Finally, in nineteen ninety-seven, the Chicago City Council passed a resolution exonerating Catherine O'Leary, an Irish immigrant who died in 1895, and her cow. It was not their fault. Not their fault. If you're out here thinking that Catherine O'Leary and her cow, who I wish we knew the name of the cow. I know. What if it's Lizzie? Is responsible? You're out of your mind. You're out of mm-hmm. your mind. Justice for Catherine. That's the title of this episode. Justice, Justice for, for Catherine. Catherine. Justice. They did her dirty. They did. And it took them till 1997
1: to be like... Well, yeah. Y'all didn't do this. Not your fault. It also
2: took, like, the state of Ohio until 1997 to become an actual state. So This is true. This is when we're crossing our I's and dotting our T's. You know what I mean? Do you know, or it's, it's, crossing it, our T's and dotting our I's. Something eyes. like that. Do you know? Because it's <laughs> also where, like, all of the papers
1: that we have, were suddenly like, oh, there's this thing called the World Wide Web.
2: Well, the W-W-W. The W-W-W, dot. yeah. Justice for Catherine. Justice for Catherine. So, let's talk
1: about the rebuilding of Chicago. Let's. It started immediately. Bless. Perfect. Sometimes construction began even before the architect and the engineers had completed the design. Seems not
2: like the best solution. (laughs) Seems not great.
1: (laughs) Especially when we're trying to fireproof things, which is not obviously a skill set in our repertoire.
2: Not on the res. Let's make sure things are sound sort Mm -hmm. of structurally before we... Put them in the ground. Yeah.
1: After the fire, laws were passed requiring new buildings to be constructed with fireproof materials such as brick, stone, marble, and limestone. Love. Love. These building materials, much more expensive than wood, are held together by a sticky, strong substance called mortar. The construction technique using mortar is called masonry. Many poor Chicagoans couldn't afford the fireproofing materials or skilled masons to rebuild. In addition, many could not afford fire insurance. Sure. Before the fire, many people had insurance, but their policies, can you guess what happened to them? Burned in the fire. <laughs> I just... Yeah. Burned in the fire. This is why, from the time I was a kid, my mom and I have one because she had one. Have a strong box, a fireproof Mm -hmm. safe. I have a fire. It's not a safe. I mean, it has a key. It's not a combination, but it's a strong box. I love it. I have a
2: fireproof safe. You do. Look at us. We're so adult. Yeah. I'm like, come at me, fires. Come at me. I'm not scared. No. I'm. I'm actually terrified. Please don't come at me, (laughs) fires.
1: You stay away. Yeah, policies burned in the fire. Without the means to rebuild or ensure their property, thousands of people and small businesses were crowded out of Chicago. Many mm-hmm. other businesses simply an- ignored the new building laws. Wood often replaced stone, and builders decorated their buildings with wooden awnings,
2: cupolas, and cornices. Sure. Sure. Like I you mean, do. it's like any it's like any disaster, right? It's gonna disproportionately affect lower income communities. Right. And those folks are gonna get left behind and those those folks are gonna suffer the most because yep. that's like how, like it's honestly like the bedrock of our kind of infrastructure and weirdly capitalist society. Yeah. Is that when things go wrong, the people who are affected the most brutally are the ones who have the least. Right. Because they have nothing to build themselves back build themselves back up with. Right. And they also don't have access to like bailouts, you know, like, you know, the type of things that you can get when you have more privilege. Right. So, Right. you know, it's just one of those things. I just feel like, I just feel like justice for Catherine. I mean, I definitely feel like justice for Catherine. Justice for Catherine. I think if anything, we can take that away from this is that this is not this woman's fault. No. And, in fact, like, it's such a it's such a testament to U.S. that, like, the narrative is that it's this woman and her cow's fault. But when you read literally, like, the next paragraph, it lists, like, all of the ways in which this got so bad that had so nothing bad. to do with her. Mm-hmm. That had nothing to do with her. No. Fires happen Fire, in, yep. in the late 1800s. Fires happen now. Mm-hmm. But like you can't, like the infrastructure of responding to fires can't fail in this spectacularly of a of a way, right? And not cause massive casualties,
1: right? Because it w- it failed on on by human error, and then the error was corrected, and it failed again, not because of the infrastructure. Yeah. But because a dude said, "No, I don't want to do that." Well,
0: also,
2: I would say the original like alarm box failed. oh, that failed. Yes, absolutely. that failed. That failed. Then the human failed, right. Then the human failed, then another human failed, right? Then there was no water, like which is to me, like if you if you can't replenish your water supply within a you know, yeah. Like if if you if you can only in your mind have like one fire a week, the infrastructure is bad, bad, (laughs) bad. If you if your water eighteen, it's it's late eighteen hundreds. Everything's made of wood. Uh You have to you have it's Chicago. There's like industry. Right. You have to account for more than one fire a week.
1: (laughs) Right. And what would happen if your if if your water supply, which is wooden, yes, catches on fire? What do you do? What's the backup plan? What's the backup plan? Yeah, the backup plan, Mother Nature. It will rain. Mother, rain.
2: Pray for rain. It's rain. It's rain. Yeah. So, shout out to literally only Catherine O'Leary. Seriously, and that poor cow, and the poor cow. My condolences to both. Hmm. But that is the end of our Great Chicago Fire episode. (laughs) I love a, I mean, I don't love a disaster, but I find this to be super fascinating. So we have to do more, of course. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, we love you so, so much. And if you'd like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to us. We love you so, so much, and we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.